1932, the city of Boston was awarded an NFL franchise. They shared a stadium with a local Major League Baseball team, the Boston Braves, and decided to adopt their stadium mate's name. After a large series of losses and some changes behind the scenes, the team moved the next year to Fenway Park with new stadium mates, the Boston Red Sox. The owner, George Marshall, decided to change their name to avoid confusion with the baseball team, but wanted to stick with the Native American flair, so he decided on the Boston Redskins. In 1937, after some terrible losses, they relocated to Marshall's hometown of Washington, D.C., the area they have stayed in ever since. In the 1960s, the National Congress of American Indians, the NCAI, began holding protests to have the team change their name as it was offensive to their members and those they represent. Little do they all know that this fight would continue for over 50 years. So what happens when a name is potentially offensive? I'm James Doherty, and this is Name Changers. So why did the team choose the name the Redskins? Well, first, let's look into the history of the word. In our 2004 book, A Strange Likeness, Becoming Red and White in the 18th Century North America, Nancy Shoemaker states, At the start of the 18th century, Indians and Europeans rarely mentioned the color of each other's skins. By mid-century, remarks about skin color and the categorization of peoples by simple color-coded labels, red, white, black, had become commonplace. Red skin soon became adapted by Europeans as a generic term to label all Native Americans. Much later, in the period between 1875 and 1930, three years prior to the name change, Many books began using the term as a derogatory term, which caused dictionaries to insert a definition under redskin of usually offensive, disparaging, insulting, and taboo. The coach at the time was a man named William Henry Dietz. Now, Dietz claimed he was of Sioux origin and went by the name Lone Star. Marshall claimed the name the Redskins had nothing to do with Dietz. However, some people from the team claimed the mascot was modeled after Dietz. Okay, funny side story about Dietz. In 1916, he was the head coach of Washington State University, and a former neighbor relocated to the West Coast. They learned that Dietz was posing as a Native American. They alerted the authorities, and the FBI found he had registered for the draft as a non-citizen Indian with an allotment, meaning he was unable to be drafted. The borough found he had taken the identity of one James One Star, an Ogala man of the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, 12 years his senior, who had recently disappeared in Cuba. He was tried in court and ended up serving 30 days in prison in 1919. Then he continued on his football coaching career like nothing happened, eventually joining the Boston Redskins, where he continued to claim his Sioux heritage. But anyway... Up until his death in 1969, Marshall doubled down on the idea that the name celebrated Native American cultures. His successors also have used that story, but Native American groups weren't buying it. In the late 80s and early 90s, they began pushing even harder for government intervention. 
and eventually they started getting senators and lawyers on their side. And finally, in 1992, they took him to court. The cases were long and harrowing. You have one side of activists trying to fight, and you have another side of a giant NFL team that's been around for decades of high-powered lawyers. The activist side had the argument that the name Redskins should not be allowed to be trademarkable under what is called the Lanham Act. Now, that was their bread and butter throughout the case. The act was enacted in 1946, prohibiting a number of activities like trademark dilution, trademark infringement, and false advertising. But the piece that they're specifically interested in is this. No trademark shall be refused registration unless it consists of or comprises a moral, deceptive, or scandalous matter, or matter which may disparage or falsely suggest a connection with persons, living or dead, institutions, belief, or national symbols, or bring them into contempt or disrespute. Now, a lot of critics say the language is a bit vague, but you could easily see how there's an argument that a word that is disparaging to a group should not be able to be trademarked, such as Redskins. And in 1999, after years of fighting it out in the courts, the judge agreed with him. This does violate the Lanham Act. But finally, in 2014, after years and years of appeals and refilings, the team lost their trademarks. Now, what does this mean? So if you lose a trademark, you can still use the name. However, you don't have that many protections. If there's any counterfeit merchandise, they're going to have a hard time fighting it. If somebody else decides they just want to use the name on their product without trademarking it, they can do that. The team can try to fight it, but it's going to be a lot of time and money, and there's a possibility they're going to lose. Now, the team does have the ability to keep using the name, and they've decided that they want to. And they're allowed to sell t-shirts and hats with the name on it, like nothing's changed. But the Redskins aren't done fighting. They're still going back and trying to get it changed. And recently, a Supreme Court decision might have helped them in their effort. We'll find out about that on the next episode. Name Changers is made in association with Namestormers, a naming agency in Austin, Texas. Find out more about them at namestormers.com. Very special thanks this week to Christopher Roden. If you like the show, please like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really helps people find us. I'm James Darty. We'll see you next time.